Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, uh, if you're looking for a great place to find great sales tools for your um, salespeople when it comes to managing their customer base, check out Arrow's line of products at heyarrow.com. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he is nice enough to come on a couple times a week to sit down and talk about what's going on. And he's fresh off his Brazilian coffee whirlwind tour, and uh, <laughs> he is back in the saddle ready to make things happen. So, Sean, how you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a really, really uh, cool trip. Uh, exhausting, but, uh, but I learned a lot and uh, met some wonderful, great people and saw some beautiful country. I mean, it just didn't amazing how beautiful uh, central brazil can be it's just uh just awesome so right on so coming back after you've made your tour now you've kind of come back you've had a chance to digest everything that you saw and, and uh you know the different situations they're in as far as as uh, coming in and out of this uh, freeze and, and drought situation that we saw what's your overall take on the coffee market now after you've uh, had your chance to digest all this i think the number one theme is this and I, th- I think the best way to explain it is explain it with the human body, right? When you're stressed, your immune system goes down. You get more susceptible to getting sick. When you're tired, more susceptible to getting sick. Your, your defenses are down. Um, so if you had a frost, that'd be bad enough. If you have a drought, that would be bad enough. But the combination of the two, um, you know, in synchronicity, you know, right after each other in, in that kind of a, uh, you know, of, of a timing mechanism, it, it really created something we have never seen before to have those two massively stressful climactic conditions occur um, right after one another. And it just stressed these trees out, Casey, like, like they've never been stressed out before. So we got these rains. Um, uh, so actually, in the month of October, we've had double to triple the normal amount of rain. So it's been a lot of rain, which is the reason we wanted to go down. Because what better time to see how the trees are going to react to the rain than when you go down afterwards? And they had there was a very sizable main flowering. I mean, there's a lot of flowers. We saw pictures of just look like snow everywhere. And that's where the good that's where the good news ended, because the flowers did not lead to forming healthy 
pellets, healthy buds, where the coffee cherries are going to start growing in December. In fact, we saw exactly the opposite. We saw disease and it's something called FOMA, uh, which uh, is kind of this black moldy and it just, it just strips the branches of all uh, you know, it, there's no, no, not going to be any coffee on those branches. We saw a lot of this starting to emerge and it happens when you have cool, wet weather right after flowering occurs. It's called FOMA. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon. It's just uncommon to have it uh, to this degree. The other thing is we have what they call Bichomino. It's a white fly. Uh, insect disease that also is a result of the very, very hot, dry weather that led into the, this extreme, quite frankly, extremely wet event. And they they go out and they devour the leaves. So you saw all these leaves, you know, half half green, brown, falling to the ground. I mean, you could pick up piles of these. And of course, if you defoliate the tree, you can't form the pellets and the buds that form the cherries. You need that photosynthesis. And we saw a lot of that going on. Um, and of course, we just saw a tremendous amount of frost damage. What was really interesting, Casey, is that we had two hard frost and a soft frost. The soft frost was first, and we had two hard frost. Everybody thought that every frost pretty much impacted the same area, and there wasn't really any new damage. We found that each one was unique in who it impacted, what elevation, uh, how much, and, 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 and the third frost is where the market sold off. It's at all. And actually there was more damage in that third frost. There were farms that, that didn't have any damage in the first two frosts and they got completely wiped out on the third frost. So, so it, it was a cumulative effect of all these three that kind of nailed you know, as many different participants you know, as possible. So I said, I think the takeaway is these trees are extremely tired and weak and they're just not in, in, in the mood to put out a healthy crop this particular year. And we don't think we're done with seeing these insect and um, disease issues. We think we could actually see more of this as we get into the cherry uh, formation phase. So um, off to a good start. It looked good. It looked like you know, maybe the rains could, you know, could rehabilitate. What we saw said absolutely positive. It could and might impact positively the following year's crop. You know, the, the you want after this one because you're going to get better vegetative growth. But for this crop, I mean, the, the, the damage is done. That's what we clearly saw the damage done. And the market has this illusion right now. It's been pausing and it has an illusion that, you know, that things, uh, you know, can turn around. And I think when they, in December, when the crop tours come out, Casey, and they start counting how many cherries actually formed, I think I was going to be shocked how few cherries actually form from the from the flower that took place so the, so that in, in a nutshell was really the takeaway that we had so right on so based on your hypothesis when you went down there is it is it better than you thought worse than you thought about what you expected i mean what's your what's your take on that i mean i expected uh to see a lot of damage i expected i expected that the tree would be able to um you know i actually thought that the crop wouldn't flower as much and that wasn't the case. It actually flowered a lot. And that's actually surprised me how much it flowered. It equally surprised me how poor that flowering it turned out. Meaning I, I expected there would be issues, but I mean, you should, I should just send you some of these pictures. It's just the most amazing, beautiful. I mean, in a normal year of flowering like that, I mean, you got a, 
you got a big crop on your hands and then you, and then you, and then you look and you go, where's the coffee? Where it? it was just amazing how the, the, the tree put out what it could. And it just, it just, it laid to rest after that and said, we, we, we're done. We can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that was the, you know, I'm not, I would say in Africa, I wasn't terribly surprised. It was more confirming what I believed was going to be the truth. I guess I just was right. expecting less flowering than more. And I just shocked that we, that with that kind of flowering, we didn't have at least more coffee on the trees. So, right. Right on. Okay. So in the same, same tone there, let's talk about sugar for a little bit and, you know, the sugar cane harvest that we, that they're going through now in, in Brazil, uh, suffered every frost that came through there, I think. So I guess as you take a look at, at that, did you have any conversations about anyone while you were in Brazil about the sugar cane and some situations that might be there? Yeah, I mean, typically uh, frost is not too bad for sugar because usually it, it doesn't impact too wide of an area. And if you harvest it in a couple of weeks, you actually don't have a problem. The problem is because we had three in a row, you right. didn't have the opportunity to harvest this crop for four weeks. You you lost it. And I mean, pretty significant losses. Um you know, you, the, the long-term damage is not never is not going to be anywhere, uh, anywhere near as great as a tree crop because a tree crop is more of a you know it it, it it's this um, you know you, you you do plant new sugar you know, get four cuttings and you I mean it's it's a little bit of a more of a weed but but there's a lot of damage that's irreversible that um, you know and that's why we've been trading around nineteen to twenty cents you know I wouldn't call it as um, egregious as a coffee situation, but, but as, as frost go, I'm not sure we've seen a frost do more damage to the sugar crop in a very, very long time. But I do think most of that is priced into the sugar market. I think, I think I, I'm not sure too many people are surprised about that. It's pretty easy to see, you know, in sugar where the damage was coffee is a lot of hidden damage that it just takes time for the market to figure out. So I kind of feel the coffee market has not priced it all in because of the hidden nature of, how that crop develops were in sugar. I think most people kind of, I don't think there's going to be surprises that, you know, things are going to come up short for the, for the, where it might come up short is how much ethanol they, do they produce versus sugar? You know, that, that there could be, that, that may be where there could still be a surprise one way or the other, you know, do they do less or more, but, but from a production standpoint, I don't think the market is surprised at what, what at least what we saw. So I will say this, Tons and tons of of um, soybeans and corn acres going in in replacement of coffee. So, so a lot of the coffee that got, I mean, just zero. You know, they just had to stump stump it. They just they 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 said, you know, here's our opportunity: diversify, get out instead of being a one trick pony. Well, let's move to especially soybeans. Soybeans everywhere. Soybeans, soybeans, soybeans everywhere. You know, that field used to be coffee. That field used to be coffee. That field was coffee. It was coffee last year. Now it's tremendous switching to uh, soybeans and corn, especially soybeans. And so, you know, they get two, two and a half crops out of that ground. Uh, they can price their crop, you know, six months, they, they price it. If it doesn't work out, they can, you know, they get their money quicker. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just, um, you know, the coffee, man, you put a tree down, you got to, you know, husband along, you know, fourth year, fifth year, finally, maybe, you know, make it some, it's a bigger, longer term investment. And, and, uh, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's becoming an, it's starting to become an issue now, at least what we saw. So. Right on. Okay. All right. So let's uh, <clears throat> take a chance here to talk about corn markets. That's my next question I'm going to talk to you about. As you look and see what's happening here, we've had some pretty good rallies here um, this week in, in the corn and soybean market. We saw some, some big upward trends. 
um, some some corrections and those kind of things we saw out there. Um, as we head in towards the end of the year, you know, where I'm at right now, harvest is probably for the most part done by Halloween. You know, it'll be done by Halloween this year. 85% of it will be. Uh, I think that's going to be pretty much a, a kind of a standard across the majority of the Corn Belt. And I guess so as you start taking a look at some of the conversations you've had with people and some of the things you've been hearing, what's your thoughts right now about this this final ending um, total that we can see here by uh, by January? Uh, on corn uh, production, yeah, corn production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you know, we've been pretty vocal that you know we we've, we continue to feel that the market has always still over, um, you know, over. Uh, this this is a, too large of an expectation for the crop. I'm not saying it's you know well, one were they one seventy six or one seventy seven, but I mean right. I, th I still think we can come down to that one seventy two area, give or take, um, or they reduce the acres more. You know, we talked about this. You know, they however they do it, I, I still think the the, the corn crop is over. Um, you know, the, the numbers are too high. Um, and, I, and I, and I do, I think the market, the way it's been trading, it almost feels like the market senses that. I think it senses that. And you really think of, think of it this way. There's not going to be anyone in the world that's going to have new, fresh, large supplies until South America harvests their corn crop late spring into the summer is the next time those fresh supplies come in. Other than that, you know, we're the only game in town. If you want a lot of corn, you got to get it from us. Um, we had a, we had a decent crop, wasn't an over the top crop. It was a, a good, but not great. Um, but you know, it's you know the the export. There's going to be a bit in the export market, uh, yeah. and, and now 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 if there's problems with the corn crop in Brazil again, or people worry about Argentina drought, and maybe the 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 dual corn crop down there is going to miss the mark. Remember, Brazil's got to got to get their they they got to rebuild their stocks, and then. You know, export. So they got a lot of work count for them to get themselves back into into a comfort zone. Um, I'm not sure they're going to be in a, really excited to export a lot of corn until they get those buffer stocks back up to where you know they're comfortable again. And so it's you know it's hard to see the corn market. You know, I mean, it can always fall for a little while, and all this like any market can. But I mean, it's hard to see the corn market really have a, a have a substantial correction below low fives. Um, and then you got the fertilizer price situation that that makes it even more unlikely. I know I think corn's fairly priced in the near term. I think it's undervalued in the longer term. Meaning, I think the nearby price has probably got it about right for right now. Um, but the deferred December twenty two corn in the low to mid fives, woefully, woefully undervalued. If I'm a livestock producer, I'm wanting to do something to lock in that price to buy cash against that price. You know, whatever I need to do. If I'm in the last time, I want to lock that price in. That's going to be, I think, a really, really good price when we get into the spring and the summer and we get into this chaotic planting season and such. I just think low, you know, kind of like what we said last year, December 21 corn, you know, remember a year ago, that, that was a, a, a tremendous value. And, and it, I, I feel the same way, just at a higher level. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I can't let you get away without talking about this. This is our, uh, we have a chance for snow on Sunday. and and Monday as well. And then moving through the rest of the week, our, our lows are pretty much in you know the, the 20s, like anywhere between 21 to 27, depending on the day. Um, talk about this weather forecast that you see happening here over the next couple of weeks and kind of what your thought process is as we look closer towards that time frame you laid out 
for this uh, possible polar vortex coming in uh, mid mid November first or yeah mid November first December time frame. I mean, for for months and months and months, even into the beginning of the year, we've been talking about how November would be the transition month where we get out of the hot October that we're in and we start really kicking it uh, into the early starting to the winter. You know, we have this uh, sudden stratospheric warming event we talked about. Um, it, it you know typically thirty days after. It fully presents itself, which is, which it should here uh, in early November. You know, you have the 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 upper airflow pattern is starting to really change, Casey. It's really starting to change. It's nothing like it was a year ago, and so we're starting to get some cold. You know, nothing extreme, but we're starting to get some some cold temperatures now. And but I really would be looking at that back half of November into the early part of December for something a little more serious. Then okay, it's cold. You know, we got our first cold snap. You know that sort of thing. I mean, I think that's the, the, it's developing very similarly to what we saw last year when we had this sudden stratospheric warming event in uh, late December, January, and then we had the February polar vortex. It, it's it's setting a pretty very. There's a lot of similarities to it. I, I I'm feeling it's a really good chance we can get a shot down um, on something like that here. You know, especially back half of November, early December. I think that that's, that's the window where I'd be really paying attention to big changes in the, uh, in the, in the weather forecast, uh, models for that to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. It's shaping up that way. Cause it's, it's goes from, uh, you know, highs here in the, in the fifties, sixties, you know, I think they high as six. Well, I remember the the storms that hit yeah. California and Washington, Oregon. Yeah, uh, they they actually, if you if you didn't know that they occurred in California, if you just looked at the storm for what it is, it, it actually reached a category four status. In fact, I mean, in terms of winds and the low pressure, uh, I think the low, the pressure got down to was it nine seventy nine or something. I mean, it had the, the 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 characteristics of a category four hurricane. With the wind and, and the swirl, it was it was almost it was it was kind of a it was a hurricane. It was there's that cyclo bombogenesis. They bombogenesis. I've seen it three times. It was a bombogenesis storm, and they are saying that there's another one coming behind it. That's all part of this winter cycle. These undulating change in the weather patterns. Remember, everyone a few weeks back was saying, "Oh, the west is stay dry, 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 dry." What happened? Now they right. they're just they're getting storms like they've never seen before, and and so the West is gonna you know West is gonna be good. We're not gonna be talking about Western drought next year. It just uh, you know we may, we may be talking about too much rain, and like we're seeing, and that's unfortunate. But I, I don't see drought being the storyline at least into the early part of the summer. It's gonna be oh my gosh, look at this snowpack melt, look at the flooding. How are we gonna get this crop? Oh my gosh, here's a late season freeze. What are we going to? And we have no ending stocks. What are we going to do? I think that's the storyline um, yep. that we're starting to set up here in November. So I'd continue to 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 think and prepare and anticipate. If I'm in the livestock business, if I'm a, if I'm a producer, you know, what would you? What, if if you if you think crazy, Sean's correct. Um, what would you do differently? If 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 that if that's kind of whether we have, what would you do differently to manage that better on the farm and? I would say even if you even if you think I'm somewhat nuts and and you're not confident enough like others may be because uh, you haven't heard me long enough, just do take some action. Doesn't have to be 100. Take 20. percent Do something to put yourself in a position where at least some you can do a little bit better than you would have otherwise. Because I really think this is going to happen. So, yep, that's that's uh, it's shaping up that way. And yeah, you know, like, like I said a million times on here, 
you have not been um you've not been wrong i mean your your time stuff you said has all happened you know so it's been a uh it's been a fun adventure because i still sometimes think you're nuts even though even though you've proven yourself right over and over and over again well i can tell you my i can tell my wife thinks i'm nuts my daughter thinks i'm nuts my cats think i'm nuts (laughs) <laughs> my wife and daughter and sons all think i'm nuts too so we must have something common <laughs> but 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 with, with but 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 doesn't mean uh, that the information is uh is incorrect it just means that we think if you're going to think differently you're wired a little differently you know you we, we think a little differently or else i mean who's going to be thinking about planets and sunspots and polar vortexes and sunstruck and bon- i mean you know you gotta be a little crazy and nuts to be interested in that but i am I really am interested, in it and it's and it's it served my customers well. So, yes, and and Monday Night Football, I'm watching Monday Night Football, <laughs> and they're playing, and Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are talking about some bomba genesis. They can't even pronounce it, you know. And I'm like, ah, ah, mom, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they have, their offensive strategy is the bomba genesis strategy. <laughs> right on, man. Well, I tell you what, there's a great place to go look at all the stuff that you have done with sample reports, podcasts, those kind of things. Sean, where's that at to go find that stuff out? It's at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. As you know, there's interviews, white papers, sample reports, um, market-to-market episodes, episodes with you, all kinds of things that really give people a good flavor for what we do and to see if that may be a value to your listeners. Right on, man. Well, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett here. If you want to learn some more about what we have going on, check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at movingironllc.com. Also go to um, movingironllc.com and you can see all the stuff that's there uh, to have all the information you want. Also go to, uh, make sure you check out Sean's website because there's a lot of good information there that's just there for the taking. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Haggett. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here Moving on